Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, we are heading to Canada to talk with Jennifer Lieberman. Jennifer is a talented author, actor, and producer from Ontario. Jennifer won many awards and is known for hit solo show for her hit solo show year of the slut and her latest literary masterpiece titled year of what dear jennifer welcome to the rv thank you so much lucia i'm so excited to be here to chat with you today thank you for having me of course i was really looking forward to talking with you. So Jennifer, I see that your mother is originally from Poland. Am I correct? So actually, my father's originally from uh, my father's family is from Poland, but my mother is from Tunisia. Wow. So so you you have two completely different backgrounds. Completely different. Yeah. So my father's parents are from Poland. He was born in Canada. And my mother was born in Tunisia, and she came to Canada with her family when she was a little girl. I think that's that's kind of the beauty, one of the beautiful things about Canada. We have so many different cultures here from all over the world, and it's a very unique mix to have a Polish man and a Tunisian woman find each other and get together. And I joke that only in a country like Canada could something like that happen. I saw that the beaches in Tunisia are just stunning. I have not been. Um, my mother went back a few years ago for the first time in many years because the political situation has been on and off a little difficult, especially with the Arab Spring in the early 2010s. But she was able to go back a few years ago and she just had the most magical experience. And she was able to take my father like on the street where she grew up and show him her old apartment where she lived and things like that. So that was really nice. But the beaches are incredible. Um, and just the culture there is really rich. And if you haven't tried Tunisian food, In my opinion, it's the best food in the world. <laughs> and I and I'm very like I love all different types of food. I eat a, I'm not a picky eater. I eat a lot of different types of things. But Tunisian food it's just to me there's nothing more delicious. You know, I've never seen 
a restaurant offering Tunisian food. Yeah, and Tunisian food is quite unique. They do a lot of tagines over couscous. Um, Moroccan couscous is more savory, is more sweet. They put raisins and dates and things like that in their couscous. Tunisian couscous is more savory. And I agree with you. Um, there's a restaurant in Los Angeles called Moon of Tunis. And that's uh, like the only Tunisian restaurant in, I think, Southern California. Um, I think there's more Tunisian restaurants in France because there's more of a population there. We don't have any Tunisian restaurants in Canada that I know of. And outside of my family or the families that came to Canada with my with my mother's family on the boat, literally on the boat, um, I don't really know any other Tunisian people. We don't have a big community here. And it's very rare that I meet anyone from Tunis or Tunisia in general. Yeah. Yeah. Here in Spain, I see many people from Morocco. Mm -hmm. Not from, from Tunisia. Yeah. And I, I guess because Morocco has um, a French side and a Spanish side. So, so it's easy for people to come to Spain because they speak the language. And I feel like because Tunisia was Arabic and French, they all kind of gravitate towards France because they can speak the language and it's easier to get around. That's true. And Jennifer, growing up with Polish and Tunisian roots, did you have the chance to experience one of those cultures? Well, I definitely see cultural differences between the Polish side and the Tunisian side of the family. Like, The Middle Eastern side is definitely like more hot blooded and heated and animated and fiery. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the Eastern European side is a little more subdued. Um, you know, so I have a mix of that. <laughs> I pick my moments, right? But I definitely have that um, Middle Eastern Mediterranean fire in me. Um, and then it just, The food, I think it's just, the, it's, <laughs> and I, I was raised just a few, a few minutes away from my grandmother, my Tunisian grandmother. I saw her almost every day of my life growing up and was heavily influenced by her, not necessarily the tr Tunisian traditions, but just the way she was as a human. She was just, you know, a very understated, modest, classy, very classy lady. And her whole life was just caring for her family and nurturing her family. She had six children, five boys. So I, she spent her life in the kitchen, just cooking <laughs> to feed everybody. <laughs> and um, I did learn some of her recipes and some of her traditions. And it's very special that I had that time with her. I can imagine eating her food almost every day. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, and and I just admire her so much because she came, she was a young woman. She was, you know, in her mid-20s, came to a country with four children, didn't speak the language, didn't have a single contact. They didn't know anybody. They didn't, it's not like they had family on the ground here. 
they they just came for a better life and a better opportunity. And she had so much faith in my grandfather. And she just had the faith to follow him and support him. And they built a really beautiful life together here. Yeah. You mentioned a love for nature and even clouds in the sky. So have you ever seen a face in a cloud? You know, it's funny. I see lots of things in the clouds. I I see lots of animals and different objects. I've never seen a face in the clouds. That's a, such an interesting question. It's funny, even like a couple days ago, I was outside and I thought I saw something that looked like a fist in the clouds, like this huge fist, you know, like kind of punching through some clouds. But I do. And I, I, I guess it's, they use head in the clouds as like a metaphor for somebody who's kind of a dreamer. And I definitely do have my head in the clouds, but I also have my head looking up at the clouds because I just, um, yeah, I find them so fascinating. I just do. And um, yeah, and it's, it's awe inspiring to look up. You know, we can get so caught up in our day-to-day -day lives and our stresses and, you know, what I feel like when I look up to the sky and the clouds and the heavens, you really feel a sense of something greater than what we are. And I really do try to stay connected to that and remind myself that, you know, don't sweat the small stuff and... There's something greater at work. There's a greater power at work. And just to kind of trust and have faith and be grateful. I think also a lot of us are on screens all the time and we don't give our brain that chance to kind of decompress. And, and I feel like we don't give ourselves a chance to think anymore because we don't have that like gap in time where we're not looking at something and we're not stimulated or we're not ruminating on what we saw or what we heard or what we said or that person said. And I really, um, I really value my time where I'm disconnected to technology out in nature. And it really does remind me that there's something greater, that there's something greater and that, you know, that is what real life is you know, the fresh air, the trees, the sky, the clouds. And these are the most awe-inspiring creations. Like, I don't think there's anything man can create that's greater than nature. Totally. And sometimes we just take it for granted, just because it's there. Some people, I mean. Like the fact that the sun comes up every single day. <laughs> Yeah. You know, even even certain things like, you know, we just breathe automatically. We don't even have to think about it. Our body is capable of all these magnificent things yeah. that we don't even, you know, we we don't even have to think about telling our brain to tell our body to like breathe or our heart to beat. And it's like, wow, like this is what? <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> yeah. 
like the more grounded I stay in like the magic of just being, the less distracted I get by the BS of the world. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now, Jennifer, I would love to talk about your book and all these amazing things that you've been doing. Your book, Year of the What, is an adaptation of your award-winning solo show, Year of the Slut. And I can see your book and it's beautiful. I love the color. Oh. It's very pink. <laughs> yes. Very. And I've gone through the blurb and I saw the reviews and I have to tell you that I am super excited to read it. And also I'm curious about the reason behind choosing this title. Yes, that's a, all great questions. So before it was a book, I never thought it would be a book. I never intended to write a book. So I'm an actor. That's my number one love. That's my the number one thing I love to do. I, I still love writing. And I also love producing because I love the creative process. And I love being part of, you know, making something out of nothing, as they say. You know that as a painter, right? Like a blank canvas can be daunting, but it can also be very exciting because anything is possible on that canvas. So that's how I feel about the stage or making films. So I had moved to LA and I was getting really frustrated because I couldn't get my foot in the door. I was new in town. I didn't have any connections. And somebody suggested, write yourself a one woman show where you can show your writing ability, you can play a few different characters and show your acting ability, and that can be a good way to get noticed. So that's what I did. And I had lots of different ideas. And each time I suggested one to this friend, she kept saying, nope, you're not in New York anymore this isn't commercial enough. You need something commercial. You need something that's going to grab people's attention. You want to do something that's, that's funny. And, you know, sure, you can do some dramatic stuff, but people respond better to comedy. They respond better to something a little tongue in cheek, a little racy. So that's, so I actually came up with the title first and I thought, okay, well, you know, if I kind of write something about like my first year after my first heartbreak, you know, where I had to like get over the idea of only being with one man because I had saved myself and thought I was only going to be with one person. And I had very old fashioned, traditional Tunisian values. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so basically I was like, okay, I can write, like, I can write something. I can write something about this. And I also had an opinion about it. I had an opinion at the time about how, you know, men can sleep with as many people as they want and they're never shamed or judged for it. But with a female, anything more than one partner is, you know, you're a loose woman, you're a slut, you're, you know, whatever. So I've always had kind of um, rebellious thoughts and, you know, I love shaking things up. I love pushing the envelope, especially as an artist. I never want to be safe. Um, so so that's basically how the play came about. And it was just meant to be kind of like this tongue-in-cheek female empowerment piece that was, you know, going to be funny with some dramatic stuff. And I played 10 characters. I did some accents. I, you know, just just really trying to get noticed as an actor. I never really thought it would go beyond that. And what I realized while I was working on the show is I was more fulfilled than any of the other times, not any, but most of the other times I had gotten cast as an actor. Because when you're, when you're first starting out, you're not given those great meaty roles where you get to show what you're made of. You know, you're doing like little lines here, like a few lines here, playing the waitress, playing, you know. So I realized I was so creatively fulfilled that I wanted to keep working on the piece. I I originally did it as a showcase. Nobody I wanted to showcase it to showed up, but I didn't, it's funny, like I didn't get the, I didn't reach my goal. The goal of the show was to get an agent or a manager or someone to hire me as an actor. I didn't get that. Um, but I did get something else, which is I realized I can write and create my own projects and be fulfilled artistically. And I can still get an audience to come and they can still enjoy my work on a smaller scale. And um, and I continued with it, ended up winning an award in New York for the show. And that's when people started suggesting it would be a great novel and that I should adapt it into like a chiclet novel, like a sex in the city. And it took me a while to warm up to that because I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm, it's very daunting when somebody's like, you should write a book. And it's like, it's a lot of work. <laughs> that sounds really difficult. <laughs> it's not like, oh, you should dye your hair. <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, warmed up to the idea because I also, I don't, I'm not afraid of a challenge. I'm not one to back down for a challenge, but also anytime somebody suggests like, Ooh, that can open a door for you. That might open a door for you. I'm like, well, if it can open a door, I might as well try it. So anyway, it was a long journey because I kept trying and giving up and try. I would write a draft Send to send it to some agents or publishers or literary people and nothing. And then I'd go work on something else. 
keep creating my own stuff. I did a web series. I did some short films and I would get cast in other people's stuff. I would work with other people, do other people's plays and, you know, over time, go back to it, chip away, try again, get discouraged. And then I had given up on it. And a few years ago, a friend of mine, I was just kind of complaining about my career. And I was like, and my novel, you know, that I gave up on. And he was like, what do you mean you have a novel? You wrote a whole novel? I said, yeah. And he's like, let me read it. And I was like, no, it's not any good. And he convinced me, he read it. And he's, you know, male friend. He's not the demographic. He's not the correct audience for the book. And he said, you know what, this is really good. And you should just self-publish it. Because once you self-publish it, it's done and you're finished. And then it's not like something hanging over you that you have like another unfinished project, like every script that I've written that didn't become a movie or a play. And, and he said, don't worry about it being successful. Just worry about finishing it. And that was like a really digestible step, you know, like, oh, okay, just kind of clean it up, get an editor, proofreader, clean it up and do it myself. And I was like, you know what, I can do that. And I did. And then once I did it, even though the goal wasn't to be successful, of course, I wanted to like do some Amazon ads and some Facebook ads. And that's where all the problems began because the word slut was censored. So it was originally published. So it was originally published with the title. So this is the original copy. This was the first edition, Year of the Slut. I have a pair of like crumpled up underwear on the cover. And basically what I did with this cover is I did the opposite of Fifty Shades of Grey because Fifty Shades of Grey was black with a man's tie. So I'm like, no, like this is the opposite because Fifty Shades of Grey was about a woman like forsaking all of her needs to try and please the man that she wanted. And this is the opposite. This is about a girl coming out of her first heartbreak realizing, no, I need to figure out what I want, what makes me happy, what I desire. Um, but this, I don't know, the title didn't work. The I, the black and white cover didn't really do anything. Nobody was, it, it wasn't flying off shelves, but another reason it wasn't flying off the shelves is because nobody knew about it because all the ads were censored because of the word slut. So I could have a Facebook page, but I couldn't advertise. I could have an Instagram account, but I couldn't advertise. I could sell it on Amazon, but it wouldn't come up in a search because of the word. It kept getting blocked and censored. So this became frustrating because I never expected the book to be a success. However, I didn't expect it to be dead and not even have like a chance so after a year of trying to deal with this, even three literary publicists turned me down. I had a real hell of a time. And it was frustrating because the title is what got people out of the house and into the theater. I had no problem advertising in New York. I advertised in newspapers and magazines. Nobody had a problem. But I think the theater 
you know, doing theater in New York is very different from trying to sell a book online when you're dealing with bots and algorithms that don't understand nuance. They don't understand that, oh, this is a feminist empowerment piece. You know, this isn't offending women. This is actually empowering women. But bots don't understand that. So after about a year and a half, a friend and rereading Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich convinced me to change the title. Because in Think and Grow Rich, there's a chapter about a guy who had a book that was a complete failure until he changed the title. And then changing the title allowed it to become successful. So I never dreamed, I never dreamed in a million years that changing the title would have allowed the success that it's had. The book became a number one best within a year of changing the title and relaunching it became a number one bestseller. And once it hit number one, within a year of that, it won five literary awards. So (laughs) yes. So you know what I mean? Like it just, I guess my whole story is just about kind of pivoting and leaning in. And it's like, when you feel resistance, it's like, you you can't keep butting your head against the same wall. It's like, where can you find a way around it? You know what I mean? Like, what do I need to do? What can I change? I can't change the world. I can only change myself. So it's like, what can I do in my power? What can I change to try and find a, a different opportunity? Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> I love this mindset. And before I forget, congratulations because oh, thank you. I feel that not only your book, but you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are a true testament to the power of empowerment because you had the chorus to create your own soul. Of course, you had many expectations, but even if you could not reach them all, now you are being recognized. And I'm looking forward to reading your book because it's sexy. It's fun. Yeah. (laughs) What triggered you to say, yes, I am going to do it no matter what? Um, I think part of it has to do with being impatient and part of it has to do with when you want something bad enough, you are going to go get it. You're not going to wait. And I understand that I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed because not every performer is a writer and not every performer is a producer not every writer is a producer. So at at the point in time where I decided to write the show, so I had been writing since I was a little girl. I started writing when I was about eight years old, um, scripts for TV shows that I used to watch because I wanted to be on the show. 
So I was already comfortable with writing and I had been writing poetry and I had written screenplays. So the writing aspect wasn't so daunting. And I also had been a producer for several years at this point. I didn't want to be a producer, but I ended up a producer when the producer of the theater company I was working with in New York went on to another opportunity. I was asked to take her place and pick up the slack and reluctantly after saying no several times, they finally convinced me to have a shot at it. So it was kind of this perfect storm of, I was already developing writing. I had already produced at least half a dozen projects at that point in my life between independent theater and independent film. And so I knew I was a competent producer. I thought I was a pretty good writer. And in terms of the acting, well, if I didn't think I was great, nobody moves to New York or LA to pursue an acting career if they don't think they're, you know, up there with the best of them. Whether I am or I'm not is still to be seen. But if you don't have that belief and that confidence, you're never going to leave home to pursue it in the first place. You know, um, so yeah, I part of it had to do with confidence, but I think it just had to do with the fact that like, I was sick of waiting. I was sick of people kind of casting me in roles that didn't show what I was really made of. And, you know, I just felt like it was necessity. Like they say, necessity is the mother of invention. And I just needed, I needed that opportunity and I knew nobody was going to give it to me. So it's like, okay, I either pack up and go back to Canada or I make, I start making things happen for myself. And that's what I did. But once again, let me be very clear. I understand that I'm very blessed. I understand that not every performer has the ability to write and produce their own show but also that's just an aside that that's also like what inspired me to come up with my company make your own break to help people actors and writers figure out how they can create vehicles for themselves because okay you you're an actor, you're not a writer, but there are a lot of writers out there that want their work showcased and that want that opportunity to get their play on a stage. And, um, you know, writers need actors, actors need writers, filmmaking and theater making are two of the most collaborative fields out there. So it's nurturing that collaborative mentality because I don't expect, you know, most, most creatives don't wear as many hats as I do. And, um, you know, it's, it's not easy. Like it's hard enough just wearing one hat and being successful at one thing. And I feel like I've, I just keep pushing myself to learn new skills, learn new skills, learn new skills, just because I refuse to die. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, and also, uh, Jennifer, I think translating uh, live performance into a written format must have been quite a process. Well, you know what? Because I already had the script and I already knew the characters, 
it came very easily, you know, because when I was, even though I had written the characters, so I knew them to a certain amount, but when I started performing them, I had to like give them a history that wasn't necessarily in the script, you know, because that's just my process of when I play a character. It's like, I want to, you know, I want to know certain important things that happen to them in their lifetime because that shapes their personality and it shapes the way they relate to people. So I had already done, you know, like 50 questions. We call it the 50 questions in acting, right? Like there's 50 questions that you want to answer about your character. Um, even though it's not in the script and it has nothing to do with the script, but like, you know, you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. But just, just for me as the actor to feel like I deserve to play this role, I need to like fill out these questions and make this person like a well-rounded human, not just a one dimensional character. So I had already done my 50 questions for each of the characters and things like that. So the writing process, and not only that, it was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. Because also as I was writing, I would slip into my characters and do my accents and start like, you know, behaving like them almost. If anyone was like watching with binoculars into my kitchen, they would think like that girl needs, <laughs> like she needs help. <laughs> but yeah, that was my process and, and I enjoyed it. The rewriting is what was daunting. The disappointments and the rejections and having to go back and rewrite or getting feedback from the wrong editor. I hired the wrong editor and she just hated it. She didn't get it. She hated the book. And she just gave me such scathing feedback that I couldn't look at it for two years. And in hindsight, she was just the wrong fit. But I also wish that she was professional enough to say to me, I'm not the right fit for this. This isn't my speed. Like, for example, for me, I know, like, if somebody is, wants, like, feedback on a script, I because I, I do script coverage and things like that, like, I know I don't like horror. I don't like horror films, like gory horror movies. I don't want to read your script. I don't even want to read your script. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say yes, if you want to hire me to work. And it, and it has nothing to do with how good your script is. It's just, I don't like to be in that dark place. I don't like to watch horror. I don't like to work on horror. I don't like to read horror. So I'm just not the right person. And I, I really wish that that particular editor, she would have saved me a couple of years because I was devastated. Like I was torn apart and couldn't even look at it. So, but, but also learning experience, you know, most people aren't going to turn down a job if it means money. Yeah. But she really. Yeah. Not, not the right fit, not the right person. And she wasn't objective at all. And it's like, okay, it can, it, as long as somebody's objective and they can give you objective feedback, but she injected her point of view into everything and she just tore it down. No, this is so unfair. And I'm glad that you didn't give up. 
Thank you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and Jennifer, you also have a vlog. I can't believe you do so many things. So can you tell us a little bit more about I never thought I would and what kind of guests do you have in this show? So the vlog I was only doing during the lockdown because it was a way to stay sane. So it's still up. I have 72 episodes if anybody wants to tune in. And basically it's called I Never Thought I Would because like I've expressed, you know, here with you, a lot of my success is coming from pushing myself to do things that I never thought I would do. So I decided during the pandemic that I wanted to talk to other authors and give them an opportunity to promote their books and talk about their books. But before they had an opportunity to do that, we had to discuss, they had to share a story about how doing something they never thought they would do led to some sort of success or breakthrough in their life. Because I really do believe all the magic is outside your comfort zone. So I talked to several wonderful authors about their journey, about their books, and about inspirational stories that they had pushing themselves to get out of their own comfort zones and how it led them to some sort of breakthrough in their life, whether it was prof professionally or personally. Jennifer, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you. I think you're just amazing. And I would like to ask you to leave a message for our audience today. Oh, well, thank you. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you too. Um, so we're, we're going to leave on this note of I'd like to encourage people to do as many things they can that they never thought they would. Because, you know, a lot of us get stuck in life. We, you know, there's stress, there's family, there's work, there's kids, there's so much going on, you know, um, that we tend to, to do the same things all the time and go to the same places even, even the same restaurants. And changing, sometimes you can't change the big things, but you can change the little things, you know? And sometimes something as little as like a new haircut can, you know what I mean? Give you a new perspective on things. But yeah, I think try to regularly do something you never thought you would, you know? Whether it's eating at a restaurant, trying a new food, because also you go sit at the restaurant, you never know who'll be at the table next to you. Yes. You know, it's not necessarily about what the goal is. It's who you meet along the way and the experiences that happen along the way. So I love to advise everyone to do something you never thought you would because you never know where it's going to lead. Thank you. Jennifer, where can we find your course, your book, and many other things that you've been doing, please. Yeah, so my courses are in person. Um, they're not online and there's info on my website, but I would say the the main website to go to is yearofthewhat.com. And that's my website for the book. And there's links there to, um, to my other website for my company, Make Your Own Break, and then my acting website. But um, my my blog and my announcements and all of that are on yearofthewhat.com. I'm most active with that. And then on social media, 
I am Jen Lieberman. So the at sign and then I am Jen Lieberman is my handle on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and also on my website, yearofthewet.com, there's all the hyperlinks to all the socials, YouTube, Vimeo, IMDb, everything. Yeah, everything's there. It's one-stop shopping. So for our listeners, thank you very much for being here with us. I would appreciate if you could follow us and, of course, write a review and check out Jennifer's link. She will be featured soon in our magazine, The Relatable Voice. And Jennifer, I will love to go back to Canada to talk with you again. Sounds good. I look forward to it. And I would love to come to Spain. So I'll let you know if I make it over. Okay. And have a beautiful day. You too. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.